Today's reading is taken from 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verses 17 to 40. Nevertheless, each person should live as a believer in whatever situation the Lord has assigned to them, just as God has called them. This is the rule I lay down in all the churches. Was a man already circumcised when he was called? He should not become uncircumcised. Was a man uncircumcised when he was called? He should not be circumcised. Circumcision is nothing, and uncircumcision is nothing. Keeping God's commands is what counts. Each person should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you. Although if you can gain your freedom, do so. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's freed person. Similarly, the one who was free when called is Christ's slave. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of human beings. Brothers and sisters, each person, as responsible to God, should remain in the situation they were in when God called them. Now, about virgins, I have no command from the Lord, but I give a judgment as one who, by the Lord's mercy, is trustworthy. Because of the present crisis, I think that it is good for a man to remain as he is. Are you pledged to a woman? Do not seek to be released. Are you free from such a commitment? Do not look for a wife. But if you do marry, you have not sinned. And if a virgin marries, she has not sinned. But those who marry will face many troubles in this life. And I want to spare you this. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that time is short. From now on, those who have wives should live as if they do not. Those who mourn as if they did not those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them, for this world in its present form is passing away. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I'm saying this for your own good, not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way, in undivided devotion to the Lord. If anyone is worried that he might not be acting honorably toward the virgin he is engaged to, and if his passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. He is not sinning. They should get married. But the man who has settled the matter in his own mind, who is under no compulsion, but has control over his own will, and who has made up his mind not to marry the virgin, this man also does the right thing. So then, he who marries the virgin does right, but he who does not marry her does better. 
A woman is bound to her husband as long as he lives. But if her husband dies, she is free to marry anyone she wishes, but he must belong to the Lord. In my judgment, she is happier if she stays as she is. And I think that I too have the Spirit of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Rebecca, for praying, uh, for uh, Jane for reading. Um, yeah. If you would uh, just bow with me as, uh, as I, we pray before I, uh, we dive into God's word. Uh, dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that uh, we gather here together, Lord God. We gather here together to worship you, Lord, in spirit and in truth. Lord, I pray that you would open our, our eyes, that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear what you have to say to us today, Lord. I pray that you would use me, Lord God, that these words would be your words, not my words, uh, Lord, as, as we learn, Lord, about what it means to be undividedly devoted to you, Lord. Uh, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Cool. So, I'm sure you guys have heard of this singer Pavarotti. Uh, he's 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 an ama- he was an amazing um, opera singer. But do you actually know how he decided to do singing as as his as his profession? Well, actually, it was when he was a kid. His 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 father introduced him to music. In fact, he urged Pavarotti to 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 develop his voice. He found someone in his town to who was a singer to to take him under his wing to teach him about music. But see, Pavarotti wanted to be a teacher as well, and so he enrolled in teachers' college. And after he graduated from teacher's college, he was left with this choice. Am I going to be a singer or am I going to be a teacher? And he goes to his father and he asks him, what should I do? And this is what his father said to him. If you have two chairs and you are trying to sit on them, you will fall in between them. For in life, you need to choose one chair. And so we, both, we all know that he chose when he chose singing. And he spent all his time and his devotion and his resources to, to, to singing. In fact, it took him seven years before he even made a, his first um, professional appearance. And then it took him seven more years until he reached the Metropolitan Opera. He spent all that time in devotion on his singing career. Well, see, as Christians, we have that same dilemma, right? We are to choose our relationship with God. That is the chair that we are supposed to pick up and put all our undivided devotion and attention to. Now, you might be asking me, what does this have to do with singleness? What what does this have to do with singleness? Well, actually, right, Paul, yes, is talking to single people in these passages, but he's really talking about this, this call to being fully devoted to God. And when we are single, if you are single, you have more time and resources to give all that you are to God. And if you are 
even if you are married, that is still the call that God has for you. We see this in three ways. How can we have undivided devotion to God? Well, the first is that we have a call to salvation. What are we being devoted to? We are being devoted to our call to salvation. Right? Um, Paul here in this in this section actually is in between when he when he talks to the single and single people and when he had talked to the marriage people. This is actually for all of us, right? He 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 puts this in the middle, and he's really the the, the emphasis here is our is our call. Uh, what we can be content, we can be content in whatever state, in whatever identity we have, in whatever status we have, in whatever social status we have. We are content in what? In our relationship to God, in our call to God, right? He says this eight times, God has called them. Where were you when you were called? Right? In the first part, you see he talks about um, he, he talks about uh, this circumcision. And what, 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 do you, what is he talking Why is he talking about circumcision and those who are circumcised and those who are not circumcised? See, what he's talking about, right? Those who were Jewish, right? They saw their identity, right? Through their relationship with God. And that was represented through their circumcision, right? And we saw see this in other places like in Galatians where, where they were telling people to get circumcised because that's their identity. And you see on the other side, the Greco... Uh, the Gentiles were saying, no, they saw it as something terrible. They saw it as something negative. And in fact, they were calling people to become Gentiles and telling them, no, you need to to do surgery to become a Gentile. And see, what Paul says is in, in verse 19, look, this, your identity as a Jewish person, your identity as a Gentile, right? That does not matter in comparison to what? Keeping God's commands is what counts. He's echoing what Jesus said in John 14 when Jesus says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is what matters. Where they were called to salvation, that is what matters. Not their identity as someone who was Jewish, not their identity as someone who was Gentile, not their identity as someone who was married or someone who was single, someone who was a slave, someone who was free. And, and he goes on to really talk about this even more. In verse 21, were, were you a slave when you were called? Don't let it trouble you, right? Don't, don't let your situation, where you are, your circumstance of where you are right now, that shouldn't trouble you in comparison to what? In comparison to the, 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 the saving grace that you have where you are in Christ, being free in Christ. For the one who was a slave when called to faith in the Lord is the Lord's free person. They they are free from the bondage of their sin, the bondage of, of, uh, in, in terms of eternity, of where they were. And see, what Paul is saying here is that you are no longer bound by the social divisions, right? In fact, you are free of that. Believers are not to return to the bondage of an honor-shame culture where everything revolves around this, what the status is achieved in human eyes. 
how people see you is, is not what matters. How God sees you and your relationship with God and how God has changed you and how you are free in God. That is what counts. That is our call. And we are to bring that call to everyone, right? We are to bring that call to everyone in every situation that we are. So we need to be content in whatever status we are, whether we are Jew, a Gentile, married, single, widow, separated, slave, free person, or free born. God will use whatever situation you are, whatever status you are to reach people, right? As someone who is single, I can reach out better to someone who is single. For someone who, for some, if you are married, you can reach out to someone who is married, right? That, that God will use whatever situation you are in to, to, to share him with others. Uh, one of uh, the most uh, impactful people to me in my life uh, was this, uh, this guy named Rico. Um, and, and if you, uh, he was a friend at a seminary and actually he was a janitor. Actually, when you saw him, you, you would not think that he was really smart because his job was literally to just clean the, our campus, right? And most people saw him as that. But you see, Rico actually was very smart. Actually, he had an MDiv. Actually, he had gone to that school. And actually, he had a 4.0 GPA uh, in, in seminary, which is actually, I can tell you right now, that's a really hard thing to do. <laughs> and, and so, but he was a really smart guy. But you see, to him, his status, his situation, who he was, his identity as, as someone who was a janitor did not matter. Actually, he was a janitor because the only way that he could preach and, and, and serve his church was to work at the school as a janitor. And he saw his goal to really reach out to the people at his church and to reach out to the students in his position there. See, in the, in the eyes of the world, we would think, why, are you, why do you care? Why, why are you a janitor? In our eyes. But in God's eyes, he saw his calling to bring Christ to people where he was by, by having this job. See, devotion, having undivided devotion to God means that we are called to salvation. It also means that we are called to devotion. And we see this in verse 25 to 35. Here he's addressing uh, the, the single people in the church, right? He's, he's addressing them. And there seems to be some situation that's happening in the church here. We're not exactly sure what it is. Some people think that there's this huge famine that is happening. Some people think uh, that, that it's just huge persecution that's happening in the church. Some people think that Paul just thinks that the end time is coming soon. Right? We, we don't know what is happening, but we do know that is that there is some sort of hardship happening in the church. And what Paul says is that it's good to remain where you are. He's referring to what he had just said before, right? In the previous section, he says, look, it's, it's, you should, it's better for you to remain. It's better for you to, in that situation, wherever you are, to, to be there to, to show, share Christ, Right? And he goes on and he really sees, you see this in verse 29 to 31. And he says this in such strong language. What I mean, brothers and sisters, is that time is short. 
From now on, those who have wives should live as they do not, those who mourn as if they did not, those who are happy as if they were not, those who buy something as if it were, were not theirs to keep, those who use the things of the world as if not engrossed in them. For this world in its present form is passing away. Now he's not saying here, he, he's not saying that you, we can't be happy, okay? He's not saying that we can't mourn. He's not saying that we can't buy things. But what he is saying is that, look, these things are going to go away. And, and, and are we engrossed in these things? Are we engrossed of these ideas that the world have told us is, is, is what we should be focused on? Right, that word engrossed there, it, it actually is uh, kata um, uh, chromai, right? And, and really what it, it means is it's actually the kata there. It's actually a negative way of putting it. And, and he puts this, this in front of it, and it really means to use wrongly or to abuse, right? It's this idea where these things are good, but it can become bad, right? If our goal is to be fully devoted to God, we, how many times do we ourselves, myself included, focus on, on things and put all our time and our use and we use it wrongly. We, we engross ourselves in something. Maybe it's, it's the idea of having, uh, maybe it's the idea of having a family if we are single, right? We engross our minds into, oh, what can I do to get out of this place where I'm at? Or maybe you are married. Maybe, maybe you are engrossed in having the perfect marriage, right? Maybe these are good things. But if it is the thing that encompasses all that we think about, all that we talk about, if, if God, our devotion to God, if our relationship to God isn't the priority, I think we've missed something here, right? And this time is short. And we see later, right, he, he talks in verse 32 to 35 about this concern. I would like you to be free from concern. Again, speaking to those that are single, right? An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs. How can he please the Lord? But the married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife, and his interests are divided. Right, we see here an emphasis on the concern. Right, this word concern here is actually a good word. It's it's a good concern. Um, really, it has this connotation of 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 um, being concerned about good things. Right, if you are married, it is good to be concerned about your spouse spouse's need, needs. Right, it is good to be concerned about oh, how can I provide for my family? Right, that this is the same kind of word is here. But what he's saying is, look, if you are unmarried you have all your time you have you have all your 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 effort you can be fully concerned with the lord's affairs actually if you are married don't think that you are off the hook here okay we are still to be um, we are still to be concerned over the lord's affairs but see what paul is saying is as someone who is married actually what it is is that their interests are divided their interests are divided. That word divided here does, is, is this idea of pulling, uh, tugging each other. And actually it really means that it's allocated to different things. So what he's saying here is you are still concerned with the Lord's affairs, but you are also concerned with, with 
having with your marriage, with your, your spouse, right? Good concerns. It just means that your time and your resources and, and your, uh, your devotion is now, is now put into two, right? It's, it's one, being con- concerned with the Lord's affairs and also being concerned with your family, the, he, he, he uses this right to be devoted to the Lord. And, and he uses this in a good way for us that are, are, are uh, for those that are single who have the time. But my question really to you is, is what, well, how are you spending your time? Where is your focus? Several times I, I hear from young people that, oh, they see their, their time as singleness is just a time before they get married, right? They see, oh, it's just a time before I get married. I'm just going to focus, I'm in this time, I'm just going to focus on my career. Or I'm just going to focus on, on, on you know, getting healthy, right? I'm going to focus on these other things. And, 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 and they don't realize the true purpose, the purpose of your singleness of this time frame is actually so that you can get closer to God, that you can work on the relationship with God. If you, if, even if you are married, you, you still focus on your relationship with God. Actually, what happens is actually when your relationship with God, when your vertical relationship is good, actually that translates to all of your horizontal relationships. Right? If you know how God wants you to live, if you, if you know how, how God has changed you, if God is changing you, if you are to share God's love to, the, to, to other people, don't you need to know what God's love is first? Don't you need to know how um, he's reached you? How are you spending your time? Where is your focus? We have this call to be devoted to the Lord. Undivided devotion comes first with a call to salvation, the second a call to devotion, and the third a call to celibacy or marriage. A call to celibacy or marriage, right? It's, it's interesting here, right? What Paul does in verses 36 to 40 is he's actually completely changing the worldview. He's completely changing what the world thinks about um, when it comes to marriage and singleness. In fact, right in that day, it was absolutely normal to get married. In fact, right, you, uh, there was, we, they didn't really have these long engagements. Like nowadays we have long engagements, right? Actually in those days, right, he would just, uh, they would, there would these, be these arranged marriages. And what Paul is saying is, look, no, we should, we should encourage people to be celibate. Right? He says, look, if, if, if your passions are too strong and he feels he ought to marry, he should do as he wants. Right? He says it's okay to get married. Okay? I'm, not, if, I'm not saying, he, he says it's not singing. He, he says it three times. It's okay to be married. But when it comes to being celibate, when it comes to being single, here he actually puts conditions in which, in which you should do it. He puts emphasis on this idea. He says, look, but a man who is settled in the matter in his own mind, he has his own conviction to be, to be celibate. Who is under no compulsion. No one is forcing him to be single. For someone who has control over his own will, 
You have the right. He has the right to make his own decision. And who has made up his mind. He's reached his decision independently by his personal conviction. These are the, these are the conditions in which he says, you should be celibate. You should think about these things. Right? He turns it around and he puts the emphasis about the joy about being single. So what does this mean? But what is so what does this mean for you? Um, how how many times actually in the church we should we should actually emphasize singleness and not marriage? Actually, it it seems to seep into the church really easily, right? This idea that oh yeah, everyone should get married, right? When uh, as a single person, many people come up to me, and, and one of the first things they usually ask is, oh, so seeing anyone? Is there someone special in your life? You know, when really I wonder if, if the first thing you should ask, they should ask is, hey, how is your relationship with God? Right? It's, it's not bad. It's just, it's just it, it, we easily can, we easily can, um, we easily emphasize marriage. Right? If, if um, as parents, right, we tend to, do we teach our youth that actually it's great to be single? Actually, where is your relationship with God? Let me show you how to do devotion so that you can work on your relationship with God. And then you can think about maybe someone, um, someone else. Right? As, as young adults, as parents to young adults, right, it, it, we, we tend, do we value them being single? Right? How many times actually do we value the marriage or this thought of maybe be having grandkids, right? And, and we ask our, you know, um, to the point where if if our if your children are, are dating someone who's a non-Christian, we, we actually think it's okay, right? If we really valued our devotion to God, if we really devalued devotion to God, right, we would emphasize actually singleness and actually uh, enhancing that relationship with God. Maybe you're sitting here and you are single. I challenge you to pray about whether or not you have been called to celibacy for right now, right? Or if you are called to get married. How many, how many times in the church do you hear that we, we tell you to, to pray about whether you should be celibate, right? Paul gives these four, the, gives these, these conditions in which you're to be celibate. Is this you in this time period? At the same time, you can still pray whether or not to get married if God has called you to become married. But is this this something that we constantly pray for? Not only the person who God might bring for us to marry, but also if God has called us to be celibate. An undivided undivided devotion comes with three things. The first is a call to salvation. The second, a call to... Uh, devotion and the third a call to celibacy or marriage. If I were to ask you, which chair have you chosen to sit on? If I were to ask you, have you chosen the chair of your relationship with God? Is that the chair you've chosen? Or is it your career or a perfect family or, or um, your, your health? One person who is, who, is, who is taking that chair, who is taking that chair to fully devote himself was William Booth. Uh, William Booth was, was, uh, was a minister, actually, and he really had a heart 
for the poor people in London. And, and, and before God used him, before God used him in his ministry, before he was even married, right, William Booth decided he was going to take that chair and devote himself to God. And he was working at a pawn shop because that was the only thing that he could find. And he, and he vows this prayer and he prayed this prayer. And this is what I challenge, I, 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 I implore you to do. He says this, I do promise God that I will rise early every morning to have a few minutes, not less than five in prayer. I will endeavor to conduct myself as a humble, meek, and zealous follower of Jesus. And by serious witness and warning, I will try to lead others to think of the needs of their immortal souls. I hereby vow to read no less than four chapters in God's word every day. I will cultivate a spirit of self-denial and will yield myself a prisoner of love to the Redeemer of the Lord. This is my challenge to you, that this be your prayer, that as we go out, that people would see that you are someone who's devoted to God, that you are someone who's devoted to your call to him. And in that whatever situation, whatever circumstance you are, that God will use you in that situation. Let's pray. Uh, Dear Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you that we can come and worship you, Lord God. I thank you that you are a God that is worthy of our devotion, that you are a God that was devoted to us first. Lord, I pray that as we go out, that we would be your people, that people would see that you are our God and that we care for you and that they would be changed, Lord, by our example. Lord, I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.